to the world of digital sound. Hello, people. How are you doing? This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton Show podcast story. And this one is Eddie's story. And, uh, you know, I was toying with the idea of doing this one. And I thought, no, let's do the story about Carrie. And then I thought, <laughs> because it kind of, it links in, really. Uh, this story kind of, and uh, names have been changed, by the way. Oh, and let's do the bullshit bit at the start. Guys, uh, this may or may not be true in part, in whole. Some of the names may relate to um, only fictional characters. None of these characters actually exist, living or dead. Okay, is that about it? We clear? (laughs) It is up to you, the viewer, to decide whether or not you think all, any, or part of this may be true or false. And leave comments in the comments section on the YouTube video. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I was going to... I told you the idea of doing this one, then Carrie's story, because we talk about uh, a guy called Tommy Boyle in this one. And uh, Tommy Boyle had a daughter. (laughs) I can't tell the story. (laughs) I'll have a think about it. And I might bring it up in future, but I can't tell it at the moment. So what I want to tell you about is Eddie's story. Okay. Now, let let me just uh, start off by telling you what context this is all in because why is it have I I (coughs) run off and written a screenplay about Eddie why have I done this because and I haven't done it for any of the other stories that I've done well there's two reasons for it really Eddie was my inspiration when I was a kid Um, he was older than I was by probably about I would have said five years So he was doing stuff five years ahead of the stuff that I did. But I absolutely doted on Eddie. I thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. The man was just, he was like super cool. He had a super cool flat, super cool friends, you know. He was just the man to be seen with, you know. He was just such a fantastic guy. I I just can't tell you. And as an impressionable kid... I really kind of took him as my role model. And that's the reason why I want to tell you Eddie's story. And Eddie's story comes to me through... Some of some of this has come to me from Eddie. Some of it has come to me from Dean. And uh, the unfortunate thing is that Eddie's no longer with us. That's a different story. That isn't a story that's contained within this story. But Eddie's no longer with us, and uh, that is a great, great shame. But I will tell you Eddie's story as uh, it was told to me, and as I pieced it together from what other people told me. So let's kick off. This is Eddie's story. Now let me tell you about Eddie and where he lived. (laughs) Eddie, Eddie was a player. Okay, he was a player. He was into repoing cars, and uh, you know he he worked uh, mainly for one particular guy who had a who had a workshop in uh, in the city. And what Eddie used to do was do what I used to do. Basically, he he did it long before I ever did, and that was go repo cars for people that couldn't um, you know couldn't keep up the payments or whatever. And he was such a character. I mean, they did it a lot different in their day to the way that we did it in our day. We used to go on mass, whereas they were going just ones or twos. <laughs> but anyway, um, Eddie uh, decided deliberately decided that he was going to take a flat in one of the quietest areas of the city you've, you've ever seen. Quite a nice area, actually. I mean, if you looked at from Eddie's flat, you know, you would see greenery, you would see trees, you would see green fields, and a massive, massive window at the front, huge window. There was like, as you looked out of his window, there was the car park there, and then at the back of that was just grass and forest and trees. It was, oh man, I could really see why he got the place, you know. It was just immense. Now, Eddie's flat was a free-for-all type place. I mean, it really was just an absolute, you know, drop-in centre for anybody. <laughs> he, he, like me, um, you're going to hear a lot of similarities between Eddie and me because, he, as I say, he was my role model. And uh, he got this flat, which was close enough to the city centre to be able to st- st- uh, stamba, ho- stamba? <laughs> 
stomp home from. But, uh, you know, um, not so far as you'd need a taxi. So anyway, uh, let me tell you about um, a day in the life of Eddie and uh, what really became something too close. Uh, I must admit now, and it took a few years afterwards, but I'd, I kind of, I understood how he felt during all this because it wasn't a dissimilar lifestyle to my own. But Eddie's was, <laughs> Eddie's was just mad. Okay, so this particular day, right, Eddie's in his flat. Now, Eddie's got a best mate, Dean, and the two of them have been buddies since school days, and they share everything. I mean, Dean had got his own flat, right? And he used to live at Eddie's. <laughs> Every day he'd be at Eddie's place. Uh, he wouldn't go... To, the only time he'd go back to his own flat would be to get changed. I mean, he, he didn't have his clothes or anything. There. So he'd go back and get changed and then go around to Eddie's flat. And the like, the, the two of them were just inseparable. Wherever you saw one, you saw the other one. And they were just like, you know... But anyway, this particular day, right? So... Uh, for whatever reason, and uh, afterwards I'd, it, it was kind of explained to me that uh, Dean had lost his key, but he didn't want to tell Eddie because Eddie would go up, up the fucking wall. So anyway, so Dean starts smashing on Eddie's door, right, first thing in the morning, and Eddie's pissed from the night before. Now, Eddie got pissed every night, right? <laughs> he either got pissed and laid or laid and pissed, but usually one or the other and he'd definitely get pissed even if he didn't get laid <laughs> so anyway he'd been pissed from the night before he gets woken up by Dino who is like champing at the bit about a job that they've been given to go and repo a car and to hear Dean talk about it like that that particular morning Eddie was was definitely off his head because um as as Dino walked around the flat all he could find was bottles of ouzo and all this crazy greek stuff that you wouldn't touch unless you were desperate and where it came from god only knows but chances are that it's a usual scenario they had somebody around the flat or a few people around the flat they ran out of booze and somebody went oh i've got a bottle of ouzo in a cupboard <laughs> so they went and got it which is like 90% proof bloody rocket fuel so anyway uh dino's walking around the flat looking at this and eddie gets up and uh, says, like, you know, well, what's going on? Dino says, well, we've got a job to do. Like, we've got a repo to do. And uh, makes himself a coffee, makes Eddie a coffee. And Eddie goes off and gets changed and that. So that particular day, they're, they're getting the car, they're getting Dino's car to go and get this uh, repo that was in the city centre. And uh, uh, they start talking about what a shit old life they've got, just repoing cars for some arsehole who is... <laughs> who is not able to pay for another arsehole that sold them the car in the first place, knowing that they couldn't pay for it. So <laughs> anyway, they get to this street, all right? Now, I know the street that this happened in, so, you know, I know it quite well. Cars on both sides of the street, not a lot of parking, and they see the car that they're after is BMW. So Eddie gets out to go and repo this car, right? Dean goes up the street and parks, kind of double parks, and it keeps one eye on his mirrors. And uh, Eddie starts to whop under the dash to try and get the um, ignition working. Uh, then, lo and behold, this fucking gorilla appears from, <laughs> from outside this house. Gets to the door where he's basically got Eddie trapped because Eddie's underneath the dashboard. Shouting and blinding at him, calling him all the fuckers under the sun for trying to steal his car. Eddie's desperately trying to explain what's going on, saying that it's a repo. And uh, the guy wasn't having any of it. So it was getting well out of hand. And the guy got a cricket bat in his hand. So anyway, Dino said like he, he didn't know what to do. And the only thing that he got <laughs> was, <laughs> was a sock because he'd got some kit in the boot of his car. He owned the boot of his own car, looking for something to hit this guy with, right? A tire iron or something. And the, he, he didn't have anything. The only thing he got was his snooker set and uh, his, some clothes. So he puts two snooker balls in a sock. <laughs> he goes over to the back of this bloke. 
<laughs> very quietly and whops this bloke between his legs, right? So the sock feeds between his legs and the two snooker balls hit this guy in the bollocks. And the guy goes down like a sack of shit. Now, this guy is crying in pain. Eddie's there going, oh, fuck, I'm so sorry, mate. <laughs> and, the, like, the two of them just run towards Dino's car and they're away, right? They're away. And then they have a discussion, like, because Dino, Dino is a bit handy, all right? He always, even the time I knew Dino, he was a bit handy. And he, he's just well known for not taking any shit. Like, you know, if... If there was a fair fight, Dino wasn't in it. <laughs> it might start off as a fair fight, and then Dino would pull a bloody brick or something from somewhere. <laughs> he would always have the advantage. Do you know, I once saw Dino... Oh, God, just say this. I once saw Dino fight, right, with two blokes in a, a pub, and this was in Birmingham, and he grabs this pool cue... And I swear, he wrapped this pool cue around the top of this guy's head. Not the side of his head, around the top of this guy's head. And the 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 cue broke, basically, in two, but it was still held together by shards of wood. So he spun it round his head twice and then wrapped it around the guy's around the side of the guy's head. And the, the bits broke off and there was bits in his neck. Anyway, look, that's another story. So, right, the two of them are having a conversation, right? And Eddie's saying, look, you've got to quit this shit. <laughs> Just, like, do something else. And they're, they're talking about, well, I don't know, what, what do you want me to do? Get a gun or what? <laughs> so anyway, um, they, they head back to a place that subsequently became something else but in those days it was called Marty's Place uh, and it didn't have a sign outside it was a workshop for bent motors basically there were a load of cars in the uh, in the, the the front car park of this place and they were they were the sort of cars that had maybe one more journey left in them before they needed to be scrapped because they were all shit and that's what Marty used to sell to people on credit that couldn't afford to buy them <laughs> Anyway, look. So uh, they both pull up now. I I never um, I never had the pleasure of meeting Marty. I heard an awful lot about the guy. There were legends about this guy, and that some of the stuff he got up to, and some of these bent motors. Like for instance, the guy that bought the car that actually physically fell in two as he left the car park. <laughs> the, car, <laughs> the car actually the welds broke and it. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy had said to said to Marty, "You're doing me a deal now, aren't you, Marty?" Oh yeah, I'm doing you a deal. It's not a cut and shut, is it, Marty? No, no, it's not a cut and shut. <laughs> it fell apart. Oh dear. Anyway, so there were there were a lot of legends, a lot of sa songs sang about this particular guy. But anyway, um, as it happens, you know, we dealt with the same another another bloke, but from the same uh, workshop years afterwards for a while. Anyway, that's a coincidence. So uh, they're talking to him. And Marty's like, comes out, where's my fucking car? <laughs> it all went wrong, Marty, I'm sorry. So well, you can fuck off then, you ain't getting paid. And the <laughs> that was the sort of bloke he was. And the two of them were like, yeah, 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 I hear you. We're out of here, we're out of here. So having had a, a, a relatively bad day so far, Eddie and Dean decide that the only sensible thing to do is go for a drink which they do, and they went to uh, a pub that I used to frequent, actually, called the Black Bear, and uh, the Black Bear was a shithole, <laughs> it was an absolute dive, the only people that had ever go in the Black Bear are those that either lived locally and were never sober enough to go anywhere further, <laughs> or, or people like myself who were uh, were slightly the wrong end of the law. Um, I mean, subsequently, actually, it, I mean, in the, in their day, it was something. In our day, it had been taken over by three or four different landlords, so it was a whole new ball game. But the two of them went in, right? There, there's people they know, and they they nodded, they you know, right, right, right. Went to the bar, two lagers, <laughs> went and sat in it on a table for two, and uh, just kind of started commiserating. 
Now, what happens next, I got from, not only from Dino, but I also got from someone else who was in the bar that day that happened. And he tells this story over and over. Admittedly, it does change every time he tells it, but he tells this over and over. Right, the two of them are sat there, and in walks Tommy Boyle. Now, Tommy Boyle is one of the faces of the city, all right? Tommy Boyle is connected. He is uh, a guy who has a lot of people working for him. He's got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, and he lives in a fucking mansion, you know? He is doing very well, thank you very much, considering he doesn't pay any income tax, if you know what I mean. And he's flanked by two of the blokes, both wearing suits, but that's how they used to hang anyway. So... These three guys walk in and Eddie and Tommy sort of, Eddie and Tommy, no, Eddie and Dino sort of look at each other and think, what the fuck is he doing in here? So anyway, in these three guys walk, start to walk towards the bar. Tommy grabs this kid by the hair and literally forces him onto his knees. like, And this kid's shouting, Tommy, no, Tommy, no. And, uh, you know, the two boys are sat in the table going, fuck me, somebody's going to die or they're going to lose their kneecaps, one or the other. And then Tommy starts shouting something about his fucking daughter. And that, like, this guy is, you know, Tommy, I didn't know she was, I didn't know she was. And the, uh, Dino and uh, Eddie just look at each other and think, fucking hell, you did not just mess with this guy's daughter, you dickhead. You can kiss your fucking kneecaps goodbye, mate. So anyway, they're just sat there. Now, Tommy is... Uh, Tommy. Dino is looking at Tommy. Uh, looking, oh, God, get the names right. Dino is looking at Eddie. Eddie has got a very good view because he's actually looking directly at the bar, whereas Dino is looking at Eddie, if you know what I mean. Got it? Right. Picture it in your minds. So anyway, Eddie can see what's going on a lot better than uh, Dino can. And basically, this bit of kerfuffle goes on at the bar and, uh, you know, he turns to one of his boys, gives him the nod and they take this guy up on his feet, right? And at that point, his jacket lifts up and Eddie can see that this guy's got a piece in the back of his belt. And like, well, he stands up and starts walking towards him. Well, you don't walk towards Tommy unless you want trouble and Tommy was giving him daggers and Eddie (laughs) carries on walking towards Tommy now Tommy is probably thinking if this is a fucking mate of yours you piece of shit on the floor who fucking messed with my daughter he dies too uh so Tommy's kind of ready for it you know uh but anyway just as Eddie gets there this kid pushes one of these guys aside, these, this suited guy, nudges the other one in the stomach and then reaches into his belt for his gun. The thing is, Eddie's closer to him and takes the gun from him. He takes the gun straight from his belt and then cracks this fucking guy straight over the head. The guy hits the floor like a ton of bricks. All of them just look at each other for about 10 seconds. And then Eddie, calm as a fucking cucumber, holds the gun by the barrel end, leans it towards Tommy and says, I think this is better in your hands than his, Tommy. And Tommy looks back at Eddie and he said, no, son, you're going to keep that. You're going to keep that as a souvenir because today is a big day in your life. Today is the day that you are owed a favour by Tommy Boyle. And that is no small thing, son. Anyway, uh, I think probably Tommy was in awe of the fact that he commands such respect that Eddie had done this, risking his own ass in the the bargain. And uh, they just nodded, nodded at each other. And Eddie went back to the table. And Tommy turns around to the barman and says, I'm sorry about all the uh, inconvenience. And the barman says, what inconvenience, Tommy? You were never here. (laughs) 
lovely line. Lovely line. I just love that. Whether or not that actually happened, I don't know. But it's a lovely line, and that is a direct quote. Uh, but anyway, uh, Dino and uh, Eddie are sat back at the table. Eddie's got this gun tucked into the back of his belt. They don't know if it's real or fucking fake. They don't know anything about it. And Tommy takes this geezer together with these other two blokes for a little wander outside. (laughs) Attempting to pull a gun on Tommy Boyle. Yeah, okay. Um, There are easier ways of committing suicide, but I would suggest that is one of the uh, more permanent ones. So anyway, they went out. The two boys are chatting away about this gun and they carry on drinking. They didn't get the gun out to have a look and see if it is fake or real. But kind of Dino is looking at Eddie and just going, you are fucking nuts. And like Eddie's probably, <laughs> probably shaking at this point. I don't know. So anyway, after a few beers, they go back to the flat. right? And uh, no, I've got that bit wrong. They actually, Eddie went back to his flat. Dino went back to get changed. A little while later, they go round to uh, Eddie's flat. Eddie sat there cleaning his gun. Now, Eddie could shoot because he belonged to a gun club. He knew people who had guns. He went out, you know, to a few places and shot things. He knew how to fire a firearm, right? He knew his way around a pistol, that's for sure. And this thing is uh, just some little 9mm and, you know, he's got it in bits, isn't he? He's, he's there cleaning it with his fucking toothbrush. And... <laughs> In walks Dino and another mate of his, Alec. Now, uh, Alec was pretty much the same as them. He was just a guy that used to hang around, basically. And uh, they're all chatting away about this gun. And Alec's making a big deal about, you know, so we all need to call you sir now, Eddie, do we? And, and Eddie's going, nah, fuck off. So, oh, you know, you're working for Tommy Boyle. Hey, no, I'm not. I'm just, you know. <laughs> so there was a bit of banter going on. And, uh, you know... Alec was saying how we could get another box of um, of bullets for this thing, together with a few other bits and pieces, like a, a belt holster or an underarm holster, and he knew a guy and knew a guy. So anyway, they're chatting away about this. So they all go and uh, sit on a sofa and park up for the evening, watching some bloody movie or another, while Eddie finishes cleaning this gun. Now, unbeknownst to them, the guy that they'd met earlier with the BMW they tried to repo is in hospital. And he's in a bad way. He's in a bad way because both of his testicles are damaged beyond repair. And he's going to have to have an operation to get them removed. And he's sat in the hospital with his wife or girlfriend or whatever it was. I mean, this part is a bit vague. I don't know actually what happened. But whatever happened, this guy managed to make a phone call and brought in two guys that he knew. Now, whether or not it was his brother and a friend of his brother's, I never found out. But I suspect it was his brother. Uh, And I've got reasons to think that, but I can't go into that or else I'm going to end up identifying somebody. (laughs) But anyway, Mr. BMW man can't have kids anymore, obviously. He's going to have both of his testicles removed. And it turns out Dino had done a lot more damage than I think was intended. But this guy, being connected as he is, has got these two guys in the hospital with him and he's giving them details of where these guys are. And they agreed to go and do it. Now, if they weren't weren't related, I can't see how that connection happened because he's some scruffy shit that can't afford any better than a shitty BMW that's about to fail its MOT. And yet he's able to make a phone call and bring in two heavies from another district. I never really got that. So the fact that it it may or may not have been his brother may well explain it. Either way, these two guys went round and paid Marty a visit. And they didn't leave him... Well, they didn't leave him breathing. But they didn't exactly do it quickly. Now, it, it turns out that Marty was reluctant to and you remember Marty Marty is the garage owner Marty is reluctant to say who these guys are and Marty's in the garage alone when they found Marty he got most of the fingers on one hand broken and he got 
quite a few of the bits and pieces of damage to his legs. They beat it out of him. And then they slit his throat. And when word of this got out, the phones were buzzing. Everyone was phoning everyone. Have you heard what's happened to Marty? Have you heard this? Have you heard that? And there was a lot of talk of, yeah, well, in all fairness, Marty did sell a few dodgy motors to a lot of dodgy fucking people. So, you know, but then they were talking about, well, yeah, I understand that. I understand why someone would maybe want to off the guy. It's a bit extreme, but you can understand it. But why did they fucking torture him? And then they realised that maybe they were trying to get information out of him. And then Eddie and Dino realised that it may have something to do with the guy they'd met earlier that day. One thing I do know is the names of these two guys, but I'm going to call them Tony and Brad. And we're going to say that Tony is the one we think is the brother. Okay, so we're back in Eddie's flat. It's the following morning. Everybody's got pissed. Eddie gets up, goes into the kitchen for a coffee. And some bird comes in wearing practically fuck all, apart from a G-string. And he goes, morning. <laughs> totally confused, as he doesn't know whether or not he's with her or someone else is with her. <laughs> Did he just invite her to come and stay? <laughs> and he's lost, right? His first thing in the morning, his head's spinning. But no, he's got another mate who's around. Now, about at this point, Del walks in from the bedroom where the birds just come from. Del is another mate who starts apologising that he couldn't get back to his own place because it was too far. <laughs> and it was easier just to go there. So anyway, they're hanging around, right? Dino turns up. And they're just messing around, getting a, getting a coffee, you know, sorting themselves out, taking the piss out of Dell, you know, telling her, you know, did you find her like that or did she have clothes? You know, that sort of thing. And then the phone rings. Turns out that it's one of the neighbours, right, from Eddie's place. And this neighbour says, do you know what? He said, there's two guys in the car park been, been sat there eating a burger for about the past half an hour just looking up at the flats. I don't know whether to go out and have a word with them. What do you reckon? And Eddie just kind of clicked and said, don't worry about it, and put the phone down. And then he turned around and looked at the boys on the sofa. And he said, you got any idea about who it was that took a trip round to Marty's? Um... Heard nothing, no. Why? There's two geezers outside in a BMW. Sat on the bonnet looking up at this flat. He had a very, very sneaky look out the window. And the two guys had just about finished their burgers. One of them was finishing his coffee. And they threw the empty boxes and the cartons on the floor. And started to walk towards the flats. Well, all hell broke loose. Eddie shouted to... Uh, Dell to get the girl out um, he then ran into the bedroom Dino was saying what the fuck are you doing he said I'm going to go and get the gun everything just automatically became complete and total pandemonium and Eddie heard the door go and he was hoping that that was the girl and Dell leaving but then there were her screams and shouts he got the gun out of his drawer he slipped the mag into the gun, went towards the lounge, which led straight on into the corridor to the front door, pointed the gun towards the front door. Before he could even get the gun raised, a shot rang out. He'd been hit, and he hit the floor. And that was it. That was lights out. The next thing he knew, he woke up in a hospital bed. And he was on his own in the hospital bed. There wasn't anyone else around him. It was a private room. There was just him. But he could see a bag with his clothes in it. He had a few wires sticking out of him, a drip coming out of him somewhere. And he ripped these out of him. 
he realised that his head hurt like fuck. And he leaned up and touched it and there was a bandage around his head. It didn't deter him. He got up started to get dressed. And some nurse came in, started giving him all the, you know, you can't leave and all this sort of stuff. And he's going, yeah, right, fuck off. And <laughs> he basically stuck his jeans on, stuck his trainers on, put a shirt over his shoulders and headed out. Closely followed by this nurse who's screaming at him. At the end of this corridor is a waiting room and he sees a few familiar faces in there. So he heads there. Dell's there. And Dell is absolutely fucking beside himself because he was there and he got away. Basically, they they left him alone. And he, he apologised over and over again, saying that he had to protect the girl. He had to protect the girl. And Eddie was like, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, that's, that's definite. But where's Dino? And they said, they've taken him. Said, what do you mean they've fucking taken him? They had him basically in an arm lock, frog marched him down the stairs out the front door, threw him in the back of the beamer, and the car took off. And Eddie just looked around, you know. There was a lot of people in that waiting room. A lot of people cared. And they were saying, you know, you only got out of this by the skin of your teeth, mate. You must have turned your head because that bullet has just grazed your fucking head. You could have school fractures and anything in there. And that, that nurse is saying exactly what I've been telling him. We're waiting for the CT scan. And he's like, well, fuck it. You know. He looked at Dell and said, have you got your car? Dell went, yeah. He said, get me to Eddie Boyles. And they went for the lift. They got down in the lift. Everyone else wanted to help out. Everyone else wanted to come. Everyone was rallying around, trying to do stuff. He was just... He wouldn't have any of it. There was just him and Dell in the car. And they shot off in the direction of Eddie Boyles. What On the journey, the way that Dell told it anyway, Dell tried to talk him out of it. Because he knew what was going to go down. And he, he knew that, you know, he knew that Eddie would do something stupid. And they were talking about the, the possibility that Dino is already dead. And Eddie just wouldn't hear of it. He just wouldn't. So Dell said to him, in that case, mate, you better open the glove box. You fell on your piece. I've, uh, I held on to it in case the law turned up. His gun was in the glove box. At that point, car pulls up outside the gates of Tommy Boyle's house. You couldn't even see fucking Tommy Boyle's house. Actually, you did, even to the time I was around, you couldn't see Tommy Boyle's house from the gate. <laughs> it was a bloody long driveway, and then he had the house. And uh, he had one of these intercom systems, so the boys pushed it. And they were told to wait. Three men came down to the gate, one of which was Tommy Boyle. And Eddie started to explain. Well, Tommy stopped him and said, look, what your guy did was out of order. Seriously out of order. He's fucking maimed this guy over a repo, for Christ's sake. I can't get involved in that. I'm not going to, going to go to war over something like this. And then Eddie kind of burst in and started saying, so your fucking favour, Tommy, is worth fuck all. Is that what you're saying? And the two guys Tommy was stood next to pulled guns on him and said, fucking talk again. And Tommy's going, no, hold on. Look, son, I can't do anything to help. These guys are connected and I can't start a war over this. If you choose to, you are going to get killed. Do you understand that? Anyway, whether or not he did understand it, I don't know. And he looked at Dell. Tommy looked at Dell and basically said, and anyone that goes with him is going to get killed as well. Well, Eddie was saying, come on, Tommy, throw me a bone for fuck's sake. And Tommy came to the gate and handed him a piece of paper with an address. 
and he said, don't do this, son. Started to walk towards back towards the house. And he said again, you know, you're going to die. And then he stopped. Tommy did, turned around, looked at Del and said, that goes for anyone that goes with him. And then Tommy carried on walking. Well, Eddie just walked towards the car a few steps, turned, pushed Del over, sent him to the floor, said sorry, dived in the car and took off. Stream of fucking dust. Del was left shouting, you're going to die, you know that, you're going to die. And Tommy was just like, shaking his head, waved his hand away, carried on walking back to the house. Left Eddie on his own, because that's the way Eddie wanted it. If he wasn't going to get any help from Tommy, he wasn't going to drag his mates into it. 10 or 15 miles out the city, and Eddie reached his destination. Industrial estate, only it's night, or it's... It's getting on anyway, so no one's around. And he sees the unit that the address is for. There's a fence all the way around the unit. There's an opening at the front with a main door. To the left of that is an office. He got out, quietly shut the door, put the gun in the back of his jeans and climbed the fence. Now his idea was that he was going to look for a window to see what was going on, make sure that there was somebody in there before he went in all guns blazing. But uh, there wasn't. He went round the other side. Still nothing. But there was a door. And just as he's coming up to this door, somebody comes out of it, lights up a cigarette, and starts to walk towards the front of this unit. Well, that was his opportunity, and that's how he got in. Now, inside this place are just boxes and a bench in the middle of the warehouse with some tools on it, but it's predominantly just boxes everywhere. And he was able to get behind one of these boxes, and he could see Dino tied to a chair. Now, Dino's got a gaffer tape on his hands, and both of his legs are gaffer taped to the legs of the chair. And they're basically saying what they're going to do to him. And uh, Dino's trying to argue his case and just say, you know, he was on a repo. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't a massive deal or anything. He was on a repo. But the, they wouldn't have it. And they, they hit him over and over. And then one of the guys, this Tony guy we're calling Tony, said that he was going to take uh, his fingers and then his kneecaps. But first, he wanted his tongue so he couldn't scream. The fucking sadist. So he pulls this box cutter out of his pocket and starts to walk, move in on uh, Dino. Eddie pulls the gun, stands up, Tells them to stand where the fuck they are. And uh, basically just holds the two of them there. He goes over to where Dino is. And Dino's saying, you're an idiot. And he's saying, just shut the fuck up. You know, let's just get you out of here. And he ripped the tape on his hands. And Dino leaned forward and ripped the tape on uh, his legs. And these guys are saying, how far do you think you're going to get? How far do you think you can get? And he's saying, well, that's a good point. Take your trousers down. And these blokes went, what? And Dino went, what? And Eddie said, take your trousers down, put them around your ankles. So they did. Now, the way that I hear it from here is a shot rang out. And it was the guy that had been round the front to smoke. He'd come in, seen what was going on, and he'd open fire. 
and shots were ringing out all over the fucking place. Eddie and Dino made for the side door and they went. They started running towards the fence. They knew where the car was. And then <laughs> Dino said, uh, so Eddie, you want to explain why you wanted those guys to drop their trousers? <laughs> and Eddie's like, I don't think this is the time, mate, to be honest. <laughs> the two of them got into the car. They weren't followed out of the warehouse, or at least if they were, you know, that's... I didn't hear, or I wasn't told anything about that. But screech of uh, tyres, and they shot off. Being sensible, they checked into a motel. And... Uh, they tried to sleep, tried to ponder what they were going to do. Following day, they both slept in, watched some TV. As soon as the bar opened, they went down there, phoned Dell, who turned up with a few friendly faces. And they just sat there talking about potentially what they could do. They talked about running or going back to face the music. Nah, running. <laughs> And then they talked about where they go and what they do. Well, Della brought a few friends with him and one of them was Adam. And Adam had an in-law that had a place by the coast, a and b bed and breakfast. So they decided that that was the easiest thing to do. And they organised with the boys about getting uh, a new passport, different papers and, you know, between them, what they decided to do was just basically lose their identities. Um, sell, get the boys to sell everything in their flats, send the money on, and just go and live their lives as someone else. There's no way they could have gone back to the city. There's, there's just no way they would have been taken out in a heartbeat. You know, it's the way things were back then. So they sat and talked about it, came up with a plan of action. They sat there for a little while and then uh, they all went outside and Dell went off to go and get a car. And they sat on a bench reminiscing about all the times that they'd had. And one of the times, and this is so famous, I mean, it just is. Eddie got cut up by a bloke in an Audi. <laughs> People used to tell this one when I was a lad. And so they followed him, right? They'd hit the horn at him and he'd give it the big and, you know, give it the finger and flipped on the bird or whatever. So they followed him and Eddie took a shit on his back seat. <laughs> oh. And, um,. Anyway, there's a lot more to that story as well, but there you go. Uh, but he'd done this. He'd taken a shit on this guy's back seat. And they were chatting about that and laughing about it. And then uh, Dell turns up like in their new car, which was an Audi, <laughs> which, which started them both laughing. Anyway, they, they knew where they were going to go. They had an address on the, on the coast. Uh, they knew what to do. They knew where they were going. They had a plan. So they went. So the goodbyes, the long goodbye, hopped in the car and off to the east coast. Arrive a few hours later, they've got a few clothes, a few bits and pieces that uh, Dell's brought, but they've also uh, had a quick trip out and bought themselves a few other things. So they've got a few bags in the back of this car, they get out and check into this B&B, &B. no questions asked, and retire for the evening obviously drowning their sorrows as they did getting pissed losing it in a bowl following day uh, Eddie got up and went down for breakfast and as he was getting ready there was this news story about how there'd been a gunman on the pier in this east coast town and uh, how all the uh, locals are up in arms about it and, you know, armed response units had been brought in from other counties because they didn't have their own. And 
Eddie chomped downstairs and Dino's already sat there. And he, he was saying, uh, God, it's buzzing. You know, a lot of pig cars around all this. Yeah. So apparently there was a gunman out and there were shots fired last night. And uh, the whole town's like buzzing, you know. And then they looked at each other and Dino said, I can't remember the last time I didn't hear a gunshot during the day. <laughs> and they had a good laugh about it. And they talked about how they weren't ready to leave. They just weren't ready. So anyway, they needed to work out what was going on about the passports and stuff. So uh, Eddie got up, went to make a phone call to Del. Only he didn't get Del. He got Del's girlfriend. Because Del was in the hospital. Together with three or four other people that they knew or were quite close to. Turns out that Brad and Tony had been paying a few visits to a few of their friends, trying to find out where they'd gone. And they hadn't particularly been that friendly about it. Del was okay. He was um, smacked up, but he was okay. Adam was in a bad way. But when the boys talked about it over breakfast, Eddie just said, I've got to go back. I just got to go back. Can't do it. I can't leave under these circumstances. I just can't. Now, the previous night, they'd been talking about all the places that they could run to. And Dino had very calmly announced that he wanted to go to America. And so they talked about it and talked about it. And then Eddie had decided that he might go with him. And yet here they are, 12 hours later... And Eddie's going back into the fire. He told Dino not to come. But Dino wasn't like that. Salve and fuck it, mate. If you're in, I'm in. And the two of them got back in the car. Now they went... <laughs> they went back to the city via a route that took Dino to a guy that he knew that could supply him with a gun. Eddie had already got the 9mm still, so... And when he went in to go and get this from this guy, the guy actually gave it to him. Didn't charge him any money. Just said, here. And here's a mag and a couple of clips. Now don't be seen near my fucking house. Word had obviously got around that anyone seen near these two was going to suffer. And the two of them discussed it in the car. Now, the only place that they knew that connected uh, these two guys, this Tony and Brad, was this warehouse unit. So they went there. As the chewing gum gets popped in. So the two of them go around the warehouse unit. And I've only got, really, Dino's uh, recollection of what happened here. Eddie came up with an idea that the only way that they could even possibly get away with this would be to go in, front door, and if it moves, kill it. And that was the only thing that they could see as being the way out of that. If they took out these two guys, then they could go on the run. And both head off to the States. So they got ready for that. Two of them either side of a door. They burst in. Um, people are moving. The only one they recognise is Tony. And he's uh, shouting things like, you know, it's about time you fuckers turned up. And all hell broke loose. Shots are getting fired from everywhere. So they split up. And uh, Dino takes one area. Tony takes... Uh, Tony. Eddie takes another. I'm going to slip up and call these guys by their real names in a minute. I fucking know I am. <laughs> anyway. Um, so they split up. Guns are still ringing out. 
And then Eddie hears a shout, a cry. Um, Dino's been hit. Not only has he been hit, but he's now got both Brad and Tony next to him. And Tony's got his head in a lock. He's got blood coming from the side of him. But he's still conscious. He's still very conscious. So Eddie knew that he got some time. And he, he was to basically told, you get the fuck out of here now or we will off this bastard. And uh, he sat and thought for all of about 30 seconds. If he came out, they'd both die. If he came out shooting, then they'd probably both die. But the other guys would probably die as well. And that's the idea. That's what he planned to do. He sat and checked his gun, made sure the safety was off even though he'd been firing the damn thing. He made sure that he had a good standing position. He knew pretty much the direction he'd have to shoot in. What he didn't know was where anyone else was because there were more than just two sets of shooters coming from the other direction. So the chances are there'd be someone else there as well. And he counted back from five. As he got to two, he heard the most incredibly loud, excruciating voice come in through the front of the warehouse. And it just said, Put those fucking weapons down now! And then he looked, and there's Tommy Boyle with five of his guys, all of them weapons drawn. Well, there was a, a moment of absolute silence. And then this Tony said to Tommy Boyle, this isn't your jurisdiction, mate, and it's not your fucking problem. You don't want to be here for this. And Tommy said, uh, you really think that you can tell me what to do? Now let go of him. And uh, he didn't. And Brad started arguing with Tommy then. And Tommy said, I'm not in the habit of repeating myself. Let go of him. And he still didn't. Tony looked over to one of his boys, and one of his boys shot Tony in the head and Tony fell to the floor and as he was holding Dino Dino fell to the floor soon picked himself up Tommy then went on to explain how he'd spoken to um, his counterpart if you like the guy that these blokes work for and they hadn't cleared their actions with him and Tommy's counterpart didn't know that there were people getting beat up in the city and that these people were acquaintances of Tommy. They knew Tommy. Tommy knew them. Some of them were friends of his daughters. And they were getting beaten up by these two fucking mavericks who had come onto his turf and kicked the shit out of some of some people that they shouldn't have. Well, his counterpart just obviously said, I'll deal with it. And Tommy went, no, I'll deal with it. And the other guy's gone, all right then. Because he knew that, I mean, you don't send two of the guys into somebody else's turf to go and do shit like that. Not without bloody permission. And it better be fucking written permission <laughs> in triplicate. So anyway, Tommy went on to explain to Brad that his boss wasn't very happy with him. Whatever ensued now, whatever ensued 
at that moment in time, Brad took a bullet in the head. And uh, he flopped to the floor, you know, like a sack of shit. Tommy took one look over to the office where there was another guy. And that guy very, very quickly dropped his gun. <laughs> Eddie came out from behind the boxes. And uh, went over to make sure Dino was okay. Dino had got a flesh wound. And he, he basically stood next to him. And Tommy turned around and went to walk out the door. And he said, uh, I guess we call this favour paid now, do we, Tommy? And Tommy said, no, son. We call this, you're now working for me. And when I tell you to jump, you ask how high. And when I tell you, and blah, 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 you know the rest. <laughs> that was how Tommy had repaid the favour. He protected him. He'd said that it was it was it was one of his boys that was being hunted by these two fucking guys, and that's how he'd done it. I'd I'd never known Tommy or ever heard a story about Tommy not being true to his word. He always was, and that was him being true to his word. And, and uh, Dino had said, uh, and what about me then, Tommy? He said, oh, you're working for me as well. Now, your first job is to get this shit cleared up. <laughs> and the two of them bagged and waited, these two guys. And uh, together with the third guy, by the way, who, who was so confused at this point, he didn't know what was going on. They took him to uh, the river that ran through the industrial estate and dropped them in it and uh, cleaned the mess up basically when they finished they went back to Eddie's flat unfortunately Della cleared half it out <laughs> but they went there anyway and uh, they all sat around together with a load of other people that had come around and they were all kind of talking about it and saying fuck me you work for Tommy Boyle. Jesus. <laughs> That's quite an honour. Really is quite an honour. And as years went on, uh, the two boys, Eddie and Dino, became the guys in the suits, stood next to Tommy. I saw them a few times like that. They became the, the guys that drove him around, guys that stood at his gate. But that night they just talked about how lucky they were. How lucky they were to be alive. And how luck plays a massively important part in your life. Had it not been for that guy that tried it on with Tommy's daughter. Tommy wouldn't have owed the boys a favour. He wouldn't have known about it all. And Eddie and Dino would be dead. Probably. Or in America, one or the other. But the one thing they all agreed on was it was too fucking close. Far too close. So why did I write a screenplay about these guys? I wanted to feel it. I wanted to experience it from their point of view. I wanted to get in their heads and see how they felt. And I think it would make a fantastic TV series. It certainly would have made a fantastic pilot TV episode. Eddie... Um, Eddie did die a few years later. That's a whole new story. Dino uh, left the employee of Tommy when Tommy went to uh, the big house for a little stretch, together with a couple of other people. And I don't know what happened to him. I, don't, I have no idea what happened to Dino. I used to see Dell every now and then. He got himself a job, actually. 
He stopped doing uh, what he was doing and got himself a job. Nice guy. Del was always a nice guy. But Eddie... Eddie was my role model. And I'd like to say he was my friend. <laughs>